Superpowers on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpowers podcast show. I am your host, Tatiana Berende, and today my guest is Dr. Michelle Dexter. We are going to be discussing what is healthy sexuality. I am so excited for this conversation. Let me tell you a little bit about Michelle so you can know why. Dr. Michelle Dexter is a sexologist, integrative psychologist, and professor. For over a decade, she has been teaching human sexuality courses at the undergraduate and graduate levels, while concurrently facilitating healthy sexuality for her clients in her private practice. She currently serves as lead faculty at California Institute for Human Science Graduate School. She was raised in a fundamentalist religious culture where typical sexual exploration and experience were strictly forbidden. She followed firm rules of dressing modestly, skirts below the knees, sleeves, high necklines, refraining from partaking in any erotic media, including R-rated movies and romance novels, and having sexual expression only inside marriage in church-prescribed ways. At age 26, she left the church she was raised in and began exploring how the rest of the world experiences sexuality. Given how repressed her upbringing had been, she felt she had a lot to learn. She sought education about sex and sexuality. She read a lot of sex books. And as life is funny, she was asked to teach college courses on the topic, which eventually led her to becoming a sexologist and helping people to have happy, healthy sexuality. Her orientation is sex positive. She believes that sex is good and healthy, that sexual expression is for everyone regardless of sexual preference, age, physical ability, or marital status, and that all forms of sexual expression are a wonderful part of life. Agreed. And welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here today. Yeah. So before we dive in today, will you tell our listeners what your superpowers are? Well, you know, as you um, introduced me, um, you know, not only did I leave that fundamentalist religion and become a sexologist when I was um, in training and then afterward when I, I opened the doors for my private practice, um, I, I was um, trained in integrative psychology and under that umbrella is um, energy psychology, which is the whole branch of psychology that um, in a nutshell is all about transforming those things that are stumbling blocks into those things that are our greatest gifts. Mm. So I was, yeah, so I'd say that that's my superpower is helping people, including myself, um, to get out of the way and um, to transform, you know, the, the ugly things into the beautiful things. I love it. I love it so much. Um, I, I think about the princess kissing the frog in that moment yeah. I don't know why but that was the image that just came to mind <laughs> um so beautiful and will you tell our listeners we're going to go to a quick break before we dive into this conversation so that we don't have to interrupt it but will you tell everyone where they can go to find out more about you and your work Absolutely. My website is drmichelledexter.com and that is drmichelle with two L's dexter.com. Beautiful. So we are talking with Dr. Michelle Dexter about what is healthy sexuality. This is going to be such a good conversation. I just know it. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts. And we want to thank each of you for making Superpower Up the number one podcast network for personal development and spiritual growth. Because people like you have the courage to say that mindfulness, healthy living, disrupting reality, the pursuit of consciousness, responsible entrepreneurship, and radical parenting matter. 
We now amass over 1 million downloads monthly in more than 90 countries. Our numbers keep growing because there are far more people willing to live divergently than mass media wants to acknowledge. For you, the change makers, the light bearers, the way showers, we say thank you. If you're ready to take the next step in your evolution, go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz. And as Neva Lee Rekla, our youngest podcaster, likes to remind us, remember, we all have superpowers and we can change the world. Okay, we're back. So on your website, you have this really beautiful list of, of, I guess, sort of criteria for healthy sexuality. And I think it's important to caveat this, that this isn't like your opinion, right? This is through a lot of research that you've done. Um, yes, this is my original research. Yeah. So, so share, so share with our listeners what you've discovered in terms of what what really defines healthy sexuality? Well, you know, I have to say it was so interesting when I was doing this original study because, you know, I put the feelers out there to do the snowball method where you, you know, you tell people about it and then that person tells other people. And I thought, oh, surely it's going to be so easy to get 10 people, um, you know, to talk to me about it, who self-identify as having healthy sexuality. But you know what, Tatiana, it was not easy. <laughs> it took quite a while for me to get population, you know, um, you know, five women and five men to talk to me about this, because most people said, Oh, I don't have healthy sexuality. So yeah, that's, that it is interesting. I mean, it doesn't surprise me after the several years I've been doing this show. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, that's why the show exists that it, it is not there's so much shame that we have. Yes, yes exactly. And, um, and, and, you know, so many people um, struggle with having healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So once I finally found my population, I was like, oh, good. Now I, I get to do these interviews. And each interview was about two hours long. It was very comprehensive. And I asked questions like, um, you know, does healthy sexuality include the consumption of pornography? Uh, does it include having an open relationship if everyone consents? And what I found is that among this population that there was definitely a theme of, um, of openness and also respect. You know, all of them said, as, as long as everyone knows and everyone consents and everyone is on board, absolutely, do what you want in your relationship. And I found that very refreshing. Yeah, kind of like an everything goes as long as there is integrity with it. Yes, exactly. Integrity. That was very much the theme. Mm -hmm. You know, and what was also interesting is that these people came from all of life. There was one woman who had been married for a number of years, I want to say about 20 ish years. And um, she and her husband were living separately. They were still very, very much, you know, in love with each other. Um, but they were living in separate states, um, you know, and they got together when they could. And I thought, Oh, look at them, they're making marriage work for them in the way that works for them now. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I could actually see that being being very enticing, because you don't have to deal with the day to day things that irritate you about a partner, you can just be in the in the honeymoon phase kind of uh, forever. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that she talked about is, is how she really got to explore herself in ways that in the previous 20 years, especially because she had been child rearing most of those 20 years, mm -hmm. that she really didn't have the freedom to do. And so she talked a lot about how at this phase of her life and her middle years, you know, she was doing a lot of sexual exploration, again, consensual. Um, but I, I found that very fascinating how she talked about like, I'm doing things that I've never done before. I'm doing sexual things I've never done before. I'm dating people I never would have dated. Um, 
um, you know, and I'm, I'm exploring new ideas and, and, um, and new concepts. And, and um, she said, and I imagine my husband is doing the same. And I thought, wow, how wonderful. You know, I love this idea that sexuality continues to grow and expand no matter how old you are. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Thank you for saying that. Because it, it, there is sort of this cultural conception that like, once you hit a certain age, it stops. Oh God, yes, absolutely. And and there's another kind of, I think, dominant cultural conception that sex is only for young people. And if you're beyond a certain age, that then if you're engaging in sexuality or you still have sexuality left, that somehow that makes you gross. Yeah, right. Well, that's all the, that's all the, like, if you look at popular media, right? There, like all the jokes are about older people having sex, like, it's like a totally gross thing, right? Yeah, yeah, which makes me so sad. Um, this wasn't my original research, but um, there was a study I came across that um, that showed that the vast majority of people who are 80 plus are still sexually active. That's so cool. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think I probably am going to want to still be having sex at 80. Like, why does that have to just stop just because you you get older? Right? Well, and if we look at it biologically, let's look at this from an endocrinological perspective. You know, if you still have all of the hormones that are you know, responsible for libido, that's actually healthy. So it, it's probably an indicator of good physical health that you have a libido well into your elder years. Yeah, yes. Oh my God, I love this. Okay, so so tell us what were like the key signifying factors that you came bet. out of this research. You bet. Like I said, you know, being, um, you know, totally open, willing to explore. Um, also that um, another key was that it was creative. You know, I mean, isn't that what sexual energy is? That it's totally creative. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, obviously, sometimes literally, because you know we create babies with it. But um, but that that's um, you know, not what most humans most of the time use sexuality, sexuality and sexual expression for, right? Yeah. Um, you know, considering that the the average American person has you know maybe two or three children. I mean, that's that's just. I mean, if you're sexual for decades of your life, that's that's just a small part. So, so how do you? Yeah, how do you define creativity as it relates to sexuality? Yeah. So creativity of um, of ideas. Uh, creativity of sexual expression, uh, creativity in in the ways that uh, people thought about sex and that they experienced sex. You know, so a lot of people talked about things like, oh, well, you know, I I, um, I tried out different positions, or I tried kink, or um, I tried uh, wearing a costume, or I, I tried role playing, or I went to this party at you know where um, you know there was um you know it was a sex party of some kind, or you know, um, and then that energy would flow it over into business. Also, one man uh, was an entrepreneur, and he talked about how um, he he liked to kind of experiment with. He was single, by the way. Um, every every new girlfriend he had, that he kind of liked to experiment with. Like, well, what if I touch her body this way, and what if I touch her body that way? And um, and it seemed to me that I I couldn't deny that he had a lot of innovative ideas. You know, with business, that you know, he was like, "Well, what if I sell this, and what if I sell that?" Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was definitely creative, and um, and the next hallmark is that um, not only was it self affirming and life affirming, it was spirit affirming. Uh, one woman told me the most amazing story, and I want to tell you. So she talked about. Um, she said, "You know, yesterday my boyfriend and I made love, and I felt as if I was in my body." 
but out of my body at the same time. She says, I was present to the sexual feeling and the, the, the sexual sensations. And yet I felt as if I was out of my body and I became one with the sky. Hmm. And I felt as if then I became one with the universe. Mm -hmm. And I felt myself become diffuse mm -hmm. over all space. And she says, and now here I am the next morning and I still feel as if a part of me is still out there in sky and space. And I thought, wow, that's really amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And isn't that what the spiritual traditions talk about when they talk yeah. about, you know, having spiritual experiences about, you know, having those oneness experiences where we, we lose our borders and we lose our boundaries. Absolutely. I can totally relate to that. And I mean, that, that was a lot of my my journeying in the sexual realms um, has been and continues to be that expansion that way. Yes, yes. I think that is really what it what it can serve in its highest aspect. Right. Yeah. You know. I mean, because let's face it. I mean, who thinks it's fun to be stuck in their bodies a hundred percent of the time? I don't know. I mean, maybe some <laughs> people do, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that there's something inherent about humans about wanting to have a change in consciousness, mm -hmm. which is why um, we're probably attracted every once in a while to say, have a little bit of marijuana or an alcoholic drink or something like that. Because I think that people every once in a while, you know, need something that's like, Oh, okay, I'm going to change my state of consciousness for a while. And, um, and of course, you know, sex has all kinds of, you know, wonderful benefits to it, you know, releases dopamine and oxytocin, you know, all those, you know, feel good chemicals and bonding hormones and all that good stuff stuff you know and it's it's good exercise for the body and all that fun stuff yeah okay so it's creative it's self-affirming mm -hmm. and spirit affirming absolutely and the next point is that um that it honors yourself and it honors other people so um, one man was kind of funny. He made me laugh. You know, it, it, you know, he was talking about you know the joy of sex and and um, and how much you know he in, enjoys being sexual. And then he says, "And I'm a beast in bed, baby." <laughs> and I thought, well, good for him. You know, he's basically what he's telling me in that moment is um, that he's honoring his body, he's honoring his sexuality, and um, he's doing his best. You know, to honor the women that he sleeps with, you know, that he was really trying to imply, I think that he really wanted to take the time, the effort and the energy to please his partners. And, um, and I liked that. I, I put a smile on my face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that, yeah, if, if, I mean, if you're not, if you're not doing that, if it's not honoring you, if it's not honoring the person you're with, then definitely there's, something that needs to be looked at there. Yes. That absolutely. feels like a huge, a huge point to me. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Dan Savage, who's um, a very well-known sex mm -hmm. columnist and mm -hmm. podcaster. Yeah. And I um, mean, you may have heard of his GGG rule. I have not actually. I, I remember yeah. reading him ages and ages ago, but it's been a while. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, obviously I had to, you know, read a lot of books, you know, <laughs> about, you know, sex and sexuality before I was ready to ask these types of questions to these people. And um, so that was part of my literature review. So the GGG rule says that you need to be good, you need to be giving, and you need to be game. Mm. And I thought, oh, what a wonderful rule for, for healthy sexuality, you know, to be good and bad, do your best, you know, make every effort, you know, to know what you're doing and to talk to your partner and to communicate well. 
um, to be giving, you know, to make sure that you've given, you know, time and effort to uh, quote another colleague of mine. She says, I believe in equal opportunity orgasms. <laughs> yes. Me yes. Too. Yeah. And, um, and to be game. He says now, you know, to be game to try things does not mean, you know, try things that your partner wants that's going to leave you crying in the corner. It's not what we're talking about. Right. What we are talking about is just, you know, something that you think, yeah, I could try that. All right, let's give it a go. You know, even if it feels like eh, that's not something I would have ever, you know, thought of myself or, you know, thought that, gee, I really like that because, you know, you never know. Right. That's true. It's like when I'm, I'm immediately thinking of like my eight year old and food, right? It's like, how are yes. you going to know that you don't like that if you haven't yes. tried it? You can't just look at it and say that you don't like it just because it doesn't look like how you think good food should look. Like, what if it's your favorite meal? What if it's the Absolutely. best meal you've ever had in your life, but you you don't try it, so you miss out? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and Dan Savage had a, a woman in his column who um, called in and, and uh, said, you know, my husband has um, a, a whipped cream pie fetish, you know, much like the Three Stooges. So she thought, well, that's not my fetish, but they lined their garage with plastic and they threw whipped cream pies at each other for an hour. And that was great foreplay. <laughs> That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> right? And that's what she said. She said, you know what? I didn't know that I would like that, but it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is kind of the point, right? Like sex yes. should be fun. Yes, exactly. And that's probably the biggest hallmark that I could say about what is healthy sexuality is that it's fun. This is how adults play. Yeah. Yes. Don't tell the kids that, though. Or <laughs> tell the kids that. Actually teach the kids that yes. that's how they'll play when they're older. But, yes. um, yeah, so what keeps us from having healthy sexuality? What are, you know, from, from all these things, I, I'm certain that there are certain factors that you've ascertained and also your work with your clients. Like, yes. there are obstacles to a sex meeting these criteria. Oh gosh, yeah, so many things. Um, so probably the 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 first and the biggest thing that I would say is trauma. Yeah. And when I'm talking about trauma, I'm talking about anything that steals your joy and anything that hurts you. And when I'm talking about trauma, I'm also talking about trauma on a continuum. So if you could imagine little t trauma all the way to big t trauma. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, Big T trauma, we all know what that is, you know, um, you know, divorces, rapes, you know, things of that nature that obviously is, is going to, you know, wreak havoc um, and, um, and cause a lot of pain. But little T trauma can be things that also get in the way that also hurt and steal our joy. So these can be things like um, a disagreement between you and your partner, uh, feeling insulted in some way by someone you care about. Um, having um, parents who were intrusive in some way and uh, maybe gave you mild criticism, you know, things like, why are you wearing that? You know, those little things can really, really build up over time and make a person feel unsafe and make them feel as if their sexuality is not okay. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure, I mean, you know, you have some direct experience with this, right? With your, with your upbringing. Yes. I mean, what was that process like for you in untangling that? <sighs> it's complicated and difficult. I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. there's many layers to it. 
Yeah, yeah, there were very, 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 very many layers. Um, I think the first help was when I realized that the way that I had been raised was based on a pre-assumption that being human is not okay. And when I say being human, meaning like to have sexual thoughts was not okay, to have sexual desire was not okay, to masturbate was not okay, um, to... um, you know, to have multiple partners what in, in sequence was not okay. Um, you know, like I said, because it, it was, um, you know, only the only way that you were allowed to be sexual was, um, was in, in church prescribed ways inside a marriage. And, and that's a real denial of humanity because to be human is to be sexual. It is to have sexual thoughts, to have sexual desire, to have sexual fantasies, um, to, um, you know, most humans masturbate. Um, and to, you know, want to have, you know, sex with multiple people so that, you know, if you do choose to enter into a lifetime commitment, that then you know that you've got a good one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that really helped once I understood that. And I was like, okay, now that I can free myself from that philosophy, now I need to think about ethics and I need to think about what's going to work for me. And, uh, you know, my ethical rule basically came down to as long as everyone consents and everyone is having a nice time and nobody gets hurt, then we can explore that. So I I went through a time where, like I said, I I read a lot of books and I was very open to exploring, you know, what goes on out there in the world. And and, um, right around this time, I was also asked to start teaching um, college level human sexuality classes. And so I really needed to get an education about things so that I could be, you know, on point for my students, of course. And so I started looking at like, okay, well, what's, you know, what's all the different type of pornography that's available? And and, um, you know, how do people have open relationships and what does that look like? And, and um, you know, what does it mean to be polyamorous meaning uh, versus meaning to be a swinger? And, and, um, and I read a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of books about, you know, sexual philosophy and, and, um, and what that meant. And, um, and one of the most influential ones was interestingly from an addiction model. It talked a lot mm-hmm. about how dominant American culture really kind of has kind of an addiction to sexuality mm-hmm. and, and kind of a low-level sexuality. And uh, what I mean by that is she talked a lot about how, you know, we don't need to look further than, um, you know, all the love songs on the radio and all the rom-com, you know, movies and all the romance novels. You know, I mean, those are, you know, probably multi-million, if not billion-dollar businesses. Right. And um, and she talked about this idea about how we're, we're grasping for something outside of ourselves in order to fulfill us on the inside. And that will never work. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's another piece about healthy sexuality is that you've got to be, you know, complete and whole within yourself so that then you can bring the gift of yourself to another person or other people. Yeah. Which is like no small thing, you know? (laughs) No, that's probably a lifelong journey for all of us. (laughs) Right. Right. And, and I think it's important to say like, you don't have to be perfect before you can have sexual encounters with people, you know, that's, that's, oftentimes part of the exploration and the healing and the the process of coming to wholeness and coming to completion is, is deciding, you know, you said like one of your, one of your things was, you know, as long as it's consensual and and as long as nobody gets hurt. And it's like, well, sometimes people get hurt and it's not, you know, and, and I'm sure what you meant is like, no one's being intentionally harmed. That's right. Um, but like, you know, when, when humans brush up against other humans, like it kicks up our stuff. And, uh-huh. and that's really like such a, such a blessing and an opportunity, I think, in, um, in exploring our sexuality in a deeper way. 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, and, and frankly, that's what we're all doing, right? That we're, we're entering into these relationships, hopefully to grow from one another and to grow each other. Right. Yeah. So what's your, so what's your take? Like, what's your thought um, on, on pornography, on the whole like rom-com and, and romantic novel? I just actually had a romantic novelist on the show. Um, like what's, what's your take on all of that? Well, you know, my, my thought about those things, as long as they are consumed ethically, I have no issue with them. And what does that mean? So my conception of ethical consumption of pornography is that you would come to the experience knowing that these are actors and, and actresses, or maybe it's politically correct to say only actors now, I don't know. Anyway, um, that you would you would come to the experience that knowing that these are, are actors there for your entertainment and that you would respect them as whole human beings, that you would appreciate what they've done and that you would understand that this is sexual theater and nothing more, and that you could appreciate um, their bodies and the gift of their service. And um, that instead of like, no, 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 I don't like that. No, oh, she's ugly or whatever, that it would be about these appreciating the human the humans behind it. So it's really, I, I think it's really fascinating to, to hear you um, state these things because it, it, immediately where I go with it is like, wow, there's like how much pornography is ethically made, right? Oh gosh, yeah. And, yeah, and can you, can you, can you ethically consume something that hasn't been ethically created? Yeah. And that, that's where, you know, we have to be a little bit more conscientious consumers about those things. Yeah. Um, there's uh, a, a pornographer by the name of um, Lizzie Borden uh, and uh, she and her husband, Rob Black make a lot of rape porn and uh, a lot of non-consensual stuff. And, um, you know, when I saw that, I thought, whoa, this is the exact opposite of what I personally would consider to be ethical pornography, you know, because in their stuff, people, um, you know, are literally beaten. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, but so, so let's come back to this, you know, guidelines of healthy sexuality. Like what if, and we can't know unless we talk to these people, but like, what if that's something that those people are actually enjoying? Well, you know, and that's where we get into being kink positive, right? Right. So, you know, research on this has uh, definitively shown that um, that people who identify as kinky are no less healthy in their sexuality than anybody else. But the rule for kink is that everyone knows and everyone consents. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this this is where we get into the whole thing about, uh, you know, are we honoring the body, which was a theme that came out in my original research. So, you know, this is where it gets a little bit ethically dicey. So, you know, given that everyone gets to to have sovereign control over their individual bodies, if they want to subject themselves to, you know, some some knife play or, you know, other things, you know, that certainly is their right. But like I said, based on my original research, that doesn't necessarily fit into the model of healthy sexuality. Now, again, I'm not judging it. If people want to do that, again, that's totally up to them. But like I said, it does kind of get into that gray area. Right. And it it may be important at that point to explore what are potential underlying motives for yes. 
for just for sort of damaging the body like that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And um, I don't know, because I obviously have not interviewed all of the people who are in that situation. But my my best guess as a professional, is that a lot of these people might be engaging in what we call repetition compulsion, which is um, in an unconscious strategy that people use when they've been traumatized. Mm-hmm. So the idea here is, oh, okay, I'm a traumatized child. Now I'm a grown up. Now I'm sexual. Okay, so let me go ahead and unconsciously, I'm going to call situations into my life where I'm going to repeat the trauma, but I'm going to repeat it in a way where I'm in control. Right. Yeah. So now what I'm trying to do in repeating it is now I'm going to make the outcome come out the way that I want it to be. Unfortunately, however, it doesn't work that way. And uh, we just keep repeating the trauma again. That's the compulsion part. Yeah. Yeah. So, and this is all, I mean, this, this part is all really fascinating to me. And this is, you know, when I've worked with clients in, in the realm of, of sexuality and, and I have found the same thing that it's ultimately some level of trauma, whether it's big T or little T trauma that is interfering with them having a healthy relationship with their sexuality. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and, um, you know, with trauma, I think one of the most vexing things about it is that the unconscious mind makes all kinds of decisions very, very quickly when we're in a traumatic situation. Um, This is from neurological science. So um, your conscious mind represents about 10% of your mind, and it can think about 33 thoughts per second. And I thought, wow, 33 thoughts per second consciously. Wow, that's that's thinking pretty fast consciously. Wow. And um, and then the next thing uh, that I learned was that your unconscious mind represents 90% of your mind and it can think 2.5 million thoughts per second. How did they calculate this? They looked at uh, people in MRI machines and they were looking at the neurological activity of the conscious structures of the brain versus the subconscious structures of the brain. Mm. And they were able to calculate neurological speed. And that's how they figured it out. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Isn't it? And um, so if we're in a traumatic situation and our unconscious minds are thinking 2.5 million thoughts per second, we are thinking all kinds of stuff that's never going to show the light of day in our conscious minds. So here's some examples of some conscious, excuse me, some um, unconscious stuff that I've uh, dug out, you know, from my clients when they've been traumatized. It's not safe to be sexual. It's not okay to be sexual. I don't have permission to be sexual. It's bad to be sexual. I'm bad if I'm sexual. I'm unlovable if I'm sexual. My sexuality is disgusting. Nobody wants me. Nobody wants me sexually, especially. Um, I'm reprehensible. My, My desires are disgusting. So how are you supposed to have healthy sexuality if these are the programs that are running 90% of your mind? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a lot of the work that we do here at Superpower Experts too, is, is taking those unconscious beliefs and programs and making them conscious so that we can reprogram ourselves, essentially. I mean, yes. we get to do that. That's, yes. that's one of the gifts of, of being a conscious human. Like we do get to do that. We aren't, we don't have to be enslaved to this programming. Absolutely. Yes. And that's the the joy of integrative psychology and especially energy psychology is that we can uncover all of that unconscious garbage because that's what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, you decided that, you know, obviously it's some part of you that was, you know, trying to protect you, but it's not helping. 
So we can un- yeah, uncomfort, excuse me, uncover it and then transform it, you know, into affirming beliefs. So things like it's safe to be sexual. It's okay to be sexual. I have permission to be sexual. My sexuality is normal and natural and it brings me joy. Yes. Yes to all of those things. Um, so, so, so important. Yes. So what's the difference for you then between the the work that you do as an educator and the work that you do with your clients? So as an educator, my number one focus is to be able to share information with my students and also to engage in dialogue. I really believe in, um, in a very much a didactic process um, in the classroom. So um, I'm very much interested in um, having those exploratory conversations with my students about things like, well, why do you believe that? Oh, you seem uncomfortable with kink. Why? Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. You know, or, uh, you know, for example, one woman in my class, you know, she had a five-year-old son and um, she um, noticed that he had discovered um, touching his penis in, in public and she didn't want him to do that. And so she had, you know, talked about basically shaming him in public. And I said to her, well, I'm curious why you're doing that. And then I said, you know, because here's my fear. My fear is that he will learn that his body is bad and that sexual pleasure is bad. So I'm wondering what would happen if you just gave him some guidelines and you said things to him like, you know, that's okay if you want to do that, but that's something that needs to be done in private. So if you want to go in your room and you want to shut the door while you do that, that's fine. But that's not something to do in front of other people because your body is just for you. Yeah. How did she respond to that? She kind of looked at me like, well, I don't know, but (laughs) at least I planted the seed. Yeah. Which is the best you can do in some situations. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and another man, he had a a daughter who was 13 and and obviously that's, you know, a high age of exploration about Mm -hmm. sex and sexuality. And he just was like, I don't want to talk to her about sex. And I said, well, well, you know what? she needs to hear from just more than your wife about sex and sexuality. You know, you're the, the, the number one man in her life right now. She's curious. She's asking you questions. She's opening the conversation, which by the way, is very rare for 13 year old girls to do with their dads. So consider yourself honored. And, um, and number two, you know, she's looking to you to guide her. So, you know, how would you feel about, you know, talking about not necessarily the, the nuts and the bolts of things, but I'm um, talking about the principles of sex and sexuality, meaning, you know, talking to her about things like what teenage boys want and what teenage boys expect and, and um, how to navigate consent and um, what to do with her sexual feelings and how to manage that in the world. Because it seems to me that she really, really, really benefit from hearing that. Yeah. But so here's the thing, because, you know, this, this was coming up for me when I was creating a course about how to talk to your kids about sex, right? Mm-hmm. And it, I think the the fundamental primary thing that parents need to contend with is their own shame around sexuality before, I mean, not that, again, it's not like you have to be perfect before you can engage in the conversation, you get to fumble through it. But but point it out, you know, it's like, hey, I didn't get to have these conversations when I was growing up. So I don't know how to do this. I feel really uncomfortable with it because I have no roadmap. And, you know, like, but I'm, but I'm willing to learn alongside you, right, and and share what I know. Um, and, but I think it's, I think it's really important for, 
for parents especially to work with their own shame around sex because we have to be able to talk to our kids about it. Tatiana, I could not agree more. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I feel very passionate about this particular topic as a mom. Um, you know, and, and when I look around and I see what's, what's happening in the world, it's like, we are their first teachers, right? If we're actually going to change anything on a cultural level, as it relates to sexuality, we cannot wait until everyone becomes an adult and has to work through their trauma in order to have some kind of healthy relationship to their sexuality. Like, wouldn't it be amazing if you could have a healthy relationship to your sexuality from go? Right. You know, like, yes. what if, what if you didn't have to have trauma that you were working through around it? Like that's possible. That is Absolutely. possible. Yes. Yes. And I want that world. I do too. I do too. Which is, which is why we're here, which is why I wanted to have you on the show. I, I mean, I feel so strongly about this it it's it's possible and it's vitally important especially those of us who are parents like this is part of the journey that you signed up for like it or not yes absolutely you you get to be that educator and there are a ton of resources out there to support you in that but like it starts with doing your own work and developing your own healthy relationship with your sexuality so that you have a, a, a basis to work off of with your kids, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and that honesty with children goes a long way. Like you said, just to be honest with your kids. Look, I realize these conversations might be a little bit awkward. I feel awkward too. All right, now we said that. Let's move on. Right. Yeah, this is like, it's okay to acknowledge your discomfort about a thing. And I think especially, you know, when we're talking about like fathers and daughters, I think it's important to call out and name like female sexuality has historically been terrifying to men, which is why patriarchal oppression exists, right? Because female sexuality was was so powerful, is so powerful, um, it scared the crap out of guys. And so they, you know, it's like, okay, well, we need to assert our dominance over this, right? And that's hence 2,500 years of, of this what we've had right um and so that gets to be acknowledged too like you know his fear around his daughter's sexuality isn't even his like this is like right. old this is yep. old stuff <laughs> right exactly yeah and that's another thing i love to work with with people you know you ask the difference how do i you know education versus you know my uh, my, mm -hmm. my therapeutic practice and and that's that's probably the biggest difference is like in the therapeutic practice let's talk about what are the root causes I like to work very systematically. I like to start with, okay, what's our goal? And then the, the goal is the ideal situation. So in this guy's case, it might've been something like to feel comfortable talking about sexuality and exploring my own sexuality in healthy ways. And then, okay, let's, let's delve into the root causes and let's clean those up. So yeah, what went on in your family? What traumas did you endure? Um, what limiting beliefs did you take on because of your family and your culture and your church, if you had one? Right. Or a religious institution. Yes, exactly. Yes, your religious tra tradition or faith tradition, you know, wh whatever it was, um, you know, because let's face it, that, that um, it's been my experience that, um, that many faith traditions are somewhat sex negative. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's important to clean those things up. And, and, um, and that's why I love to do the work. You know, when people come in and they're talking about, you know, how their relationships aren't going well, or they're single and they, they would like to be happily partnered or married and, and, um, and we can put up that goal and, and say, okay, let's clean this up. Let's transform stuff like it's not okay to be sexual. 
oh, gee, you were traumatized by uh, the, the time that um, you had your sexual debut experience and, um, and you were shamed, you know, for, for being awkward. Okay, that's a trauma. Let's clean it up. Oh, what did you decide? Oh, unconsciously you decided that, um, that you're, you're bad and ugly and awkward. Well, quick, let's change it. <laughs> and it's amazing. You know how once we can open up that flip top lid, if you will, of the mind and look in there and we see all the ants crawling around we can say, all right, let's transform this. And, and, um, and for those who are curious, the way that I do this is um, a bioenergetic approach and that's um, what energy psychology is. So um, it's a combination of traditional Chinese medicine, um, Ayurvedic medicine and um, quantum physics and psychology. And uh, so we use acupressure points on the body uh, chakra points on the body or uh, good old psychotherapy and quantum physics in order to transform those things. Because it turns out that the body actually doesn't like to hold on to yucky stuff. The body wants to heal. Yeah. Well, and I think especially like you mentioned earlier, like sex is, it's a natural part of being human. It's just, it's like, you know, when um, I had several, I don't know, a long time ago, I had someone on the show and, you know, he was talking about, um, sex is like like eating and drinking like it's something it's a it's a biological need right and yes. so the fact that we've crafted all this crazy stuff around it you know and um and have all of this trauma and all of this shame and all this generational cultural bullshit around it it's like what if it was just as easy and just as simple as eating and drinking feeding right. ourselves right, right. and that yeah. ta- i mean to be honest, it takes it takes kind of some of the this juice out of it, right? It takes some of the steam out, but it also takes the taboo out of it, which is part of why it takes the steam out of it because uh-huh. things that are taboo are way more exciting, and maybe that's why culturally we've perpetuated these taboos for such a long time because it's a very titillating thing to keep it in this taboo realm. Uh-huh. But is it serving us to do so? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. There's got to be a way where we can, you know, kind of keep the eroticism of the taboo nature of it and still have it be something where it's like, okay, you know, people do that. I look to the French, for example, um, they tell their teenage children, here is where the condoms are in the house. And if you would like to have your boyfriend or girlfriend stay overnight, that's totally fine. Please just be respectful of other people in the household, i.e., you know, don't walk around naked and, and um, you know, keep the noise down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many cultures that do it differently and I dare say better than we do. Exactly. And I don't think the French have less of a libido because they're, they're acting that way. For sure not. Have you seen French films? Like, yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And French art. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Michelle, I, I really have enjoyed talking with you today. Um, and thank you so much for the work that you're doing in the world and, and the education that you're giving people and really helping to open people's eyes that this can be different. My pleasure. Yeah, I, I appreciate that so much. Um, before we sign off today, is there anything that we haven't discussed that you want to make sure our listeners receive from this conversation? Absolutely. I, I want to give everybody um, a free tip. Um, there is something from traditional Chinese medicine called unwinding the frontal and occipital lobes. And mm-hmm. um, this pose is simply placing one hand over your forehead and the other hand over your occipital lobe, which is that kind of bony part on the back of your head. 
So anytime you're feeling upset or, uh, you know, feeling a sense of, you know, low, low sexual self-esteem, like, you know, my body's ugly or nobody wants me sexually or, you know, my sex life is doomed, whatever, simply hold your head in that pose while you think about it for up to three minutes. And um, that does a lot of things. Um, but most primarily uh, what it does is that it calms the brain. It calms the limbic system, which is um, that emotional system in your brain. And it brings blood flow to uh, your prefrontal cortex, which is the rational part of your brain. And, um, and that's a wonderful eraser, uh, if you will, of uh, negative beliefs and negative emotional states. I'm doing it right now. It feels so good. Right? Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're very welcome. Amazing. So that's just one of the many tricks I use. I love it. I love it. And I love, I mean, it's like the last thing I expected you to say. It was like, yeah, I use traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda when like uh -huh. addressing people's stuff around sexuality. Um, it works. I think that's so awesome. Um, so yeah, thank you again. Will you tell our listeners again where they can go to learn more about you and your work? Absolutely. My website is drmichelledexter.com and that is D-R-M-I-C-H-E- L-L-E-D-E-X-T-E-R.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Michelle. And to our listeners, thank you so much. We wouldn't be here without you and your continued support. Wherever you are sitting all around the globe, know that you are loved, you are appreciated, you are honored. And I'm so grateful that you are tuning into this information and making the decision to, to do something different than the narrative that you've been fed um so thank you for that and if you haven't yet checked out superpowerexperts.com go visit us check out all the ways to play there are so many ways to play with us and i just learned today we have fabulous new t-shirts which is also very exciting um <laughs> that say all sorts of fun things uh so go and check that out download the app if you haven't done so yet you can have the podcasts all of the different shows right there at your fingertips and until next time Go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply. Many blessings. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.